Welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. So good to have you here today. A special welcome to anyone who is uh, newer or visiting today. You've come on a, on a special Sunday. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm privileged to be the uh, senior pastor here at Troy United Methodist Church and so glad that you're here. This special Sunday where we are symbolically joining in what is uh, commonly, commonly known as the triumphant entry uh, of Jesus into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday, which kicks off... Um, uh, Holy Week and the Passion or Suffering of Jesus. And before I get uh, too far along in this message, I, I just want to uh, draw your attention and make a special invitation to our uh, Good Friday service, which will be in the sanctuary at 6.30 p.m. on Friday yeah, evening. This will really be a, a meaningful service of reflection uh, on, on the, the Passion, the Suffering uh, of Jesus and we'll be uh, listening to the scriptures uh, being shared in, in a way with, a, with some really reflective music that, that uh, I, just, I just get this sense sometimes that we're pretty anxious to skip right on past the crucifixion and jump right into the good news of Easter. And yet the good news is, is never uh, as good a news as it could be um, until we first uh, endure and join in the pain and the suffering and the sadness and the sorrow of the crucifixion and Good Friday. And so I hope that you'll join us. Uh, like I said, it's in the sanctuary, and, and despite the, the, uh, the, the heavy subject matter, it will be a worship service appropriate for all ages, so you don't have to be afraid of uh, uh, bringing your kids. There aren't going to be any graphic images or uh, graphic tellings uh, outside of just reading through the scriptures. Uh, but the music will be powerful. There will be a nursery care uh, for those of you with with. Uh, uber young ones, uh, but, but I hope that you'll be able to join us uh, for that. Uh, but before the suffering uh, came the triumphant entry, and the scripture passage, which you heard read earlier before the, the kids came uh, through and before the, the palms were, were being waved, um, uh, in that passage, we get a picture of a mixed welcome for Jesus. Uh, you have the crowds uh, waving the palms, laying down their their garments on the ground, praising God, singing Hosanna, and all the excitement that we just shared in and remembered. And then you have the Pharisees and their outright rejection of Jesus. Uh, but in our time this morning, I really want to walk through this passage and look at, at the variety of welcomes that Jesus received. And I encourage you, follow along in your message notes, um, and you can reflect on these later. But, uh, but I'd like to apply this passage to our individual lives and and our life together as a church. But first, uh, let, let's, let's pray one more time just for God to speak to our hearts uh, through his word this morning. Uh, Lord, it is, it is the prayer of our hearts that you would speak to us, that this story that, at least for those of us who have been around the church uh, for uh, many years, uh, we're pretty familiar with. But we pray that, that this would cease to be merely a story and become your very voice to us this morning. Your voice that seeks to welcome us into your presence just as we are, but by the power of your spirit through your word to transform us so that we do not walk out of here the same as when we came in. And we prayed in the name of Jesus who makes it possible and the people of God said, amen, amen. 
Well, I, I hope uh, you, so far you've been enjoying the ways that we are uh, reenacting this uh, triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, the crowds uh, singing, uh, waving palm branches. I may have even seen one or two of you swaying your hips and dancing a little bit. Uh, whoa, uh, let's not get too out of hand. Uh, but no, I, I love, I love seeing it. Uh, I, I love seeing uh, the, the waving of the palm branches and the remembering of that uh, special time 2,000 years ago. But uh, Jesus received just such an amazing welcome, didn't he? Uh, just, just over the top. A welcoming of Jesus into Jerusalem. He had been uh, slowly making his way from the northern part of Galilee. Um, he was actually just beyond the region of Galilee when he started his trek toward Jerusalem. Uh, and, and he made most of his path about 100 miles south uh, through treacherous wilderness terrain, mountainy, rocky, dry terrain, uh, largely, uh, all the way to Jerusalem. And he was doing that on foot with his disciples. Uh, took took uh, uh, several, uh, a handful of weeks uh, to make uh, the trek down that way, but he didn't make his last little leg on foot. Uh, the scriptures say that he rode in on the colt, uh, the back of a, a colt, a young colt who had never been ridden before, which fulfilled a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Zechariah. His followers laid down garments on his path, uh, from his way down the, the Mount of Olives, just on the outskirts of Jerusalem, the, the crowds shouted, they, they, they sang, uh, they were praising God for all that they had seen Jesus do, and many of them that they had heard that Jesus had done, and they blessed him as king, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I don't know if you've ever been welcomed quite like that before. Uh, I can humbly say that apart from the king talk, uh, that, that I, I have uh, experienced a welcome like that. Uh, one amazing day in my life. It was January of 2009, and I was in the West African nation of Liberia uh, as an ambassador from my church at the time uh, to our partner district and some of our partner churches in Liberia. And, and I was there with someone else from our church, and we were there to deliver funds that our church had raised to rebuild a church that had been um, destroyed and devastated during the uh, 14 years of civil war that had taken place in Liberia. Uh, and we, so we were uh, delivering funds to the Waison United Methodist Church. And I will never forget the sight that we saw when uh, the small group of us uh, rode up in a beat-up van on an old dirt road, and, and then we, we looked out of the front of our window and we saw we saw this, and, and pictures just absolutely, you know, just don't do it justice. The, the, the people just holding up signs, waving, dancing. We stepped out of the van, and people embraced us. They hugged us, um, and everywhere we turned. And then there was a, another stop that we made uh, just a little while longer to another church that uh, uh, another congregation had raised funds for, and it was a dedication of the building the first time that they had seen that, and people uh, from the church literally laid out their garments for us to walk on, just banging hand drums and, and singing. It was a welcome. It was as grand a welcome as, as possibly even uh, we read about in the scriptures that Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem with, with one really big difference. In Liberia, uh, there weren't any naysayers who showed up. 
While the the Bible is painting this grand picture of a welcome suited for a king, we read in verse 39 that some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. They're, They're putting you on too high of a pedestal, Jesus. What are you thinking? Receiving that kind of treatment from people, accepting that kind of worship from folks. Who do you think you are? Tell them to stop. To which Jesus famously replied, oh, if they were quiet, even the rocks would cry out. It's pretty obvious from this passage that that the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were those who who strictly adhered to the law of God, the the law of Moses. They were were rigid. They were were so rigid that that their hearts were closed off. They they really uh, followed the law so strictly so that they could lord it over other people and and have this uh, super ego about how good they were as opposed to everybody else. And, and, And so their hearts were closed. And it's pretty clear that they were they were once and for all here rejecting Jesus. In fact, uh, in the book of Luke, which this is the 19th chapter of the book of Luke, this is the last time that the Pharisees are mentioned. They're, they're not, I mean, they are mentioned throughout. Uh, pretty regularly, Jesus is interacting with them. This is the last time they're mentioned in the book of Luke. It was pretty clear that they had, they had made their resounding, conclusive rejection of Jesus as their king, as their Lord. Uh, they, they did the exact opposite of welcoming Jesus. They, they turned him away. They, they missed it. They missed who he was, and, and they, were, they were blinded by their pride, by their own self-importance. And it's really easy for us to look at this passage and, and make an observation kind of like this. It, it's pretty easy for, for us in our seats to, today to, to say, you know what? The, the, the crowd, they got it. They, they understood who Jesus was, and the Pharisees, they missed it. They, they totally missed who Jesus was. The crowd welcomed Jesus. The Pharisees rejected him. We ought to be like the crowd, right? Right? Right, okay, all right. Well, well not so fast. Th- thanks for uh, playing with me there. Uh, we know the rest of the story, don't we? We know that just five days later, that same crowd, uh, when Jesus was arrested and facing death, that same crowd was either nowhere to be found or more than likely Many of them had changed their tune and joined in with the rest of the scoffers yelling, crucify him. We know that. And I think Jesus sensed and anticipated that change too. For when he looked over, looked out over the crowds of people and he looked out over the city of Jerusalem, which he would have been able to see very clearly coming down from the Mount of Olives on this journey, he wept. He wept, not because he saw that he would eventually die, although I believe he knew that was coming. He wept, and he uttered these words. He said, how I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. See, Jesus wasn't just looking down at the Pharisees. He was looking down at the entire city. He was weeping for all of Jerusalem. 
the, the crowd included, because he knew that this glorious welcome that he had received was actually a precursor to the same kind of rejection that he received from the Pharisees. It, it's easy, so easy to think that the crowd got it and the Pharisees missed it. But their, the crowd's welcome of Jesus was hollow. It, it, it was a great show, no doubt about it. But it was, it was superficial. They, they welcomed Jesus with conditions. They welcomed Jesus the way that they wanted to make him rather than the Jesus that he really was. They welcomed him, expecting him to become their king, to deliver them from uh, Roman oppression, the, the suffering that they had experienced, to make their lives easier and get rid of the pain. But when it became clear that he wasn't going to meet their expectations, they rejected him too. You see, in the end, there, there really is very little difference between the crowd and the Pharisees. And it broke Jesus' heart. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But it's too late. And now peace is hidden from your eyes. But as I, I read through and reflected on this passage in preparation for today, I, I noticed some, some unsung heroes of hospitality. Uh, I noticed some people who actually did welcome Jesus the way that I believe uh, God is calling us to emulate. Uh, these unsung heroes are really obscure in the story. In fact, when Jackie read the passage earlier, you, you might have just completely missed them. They don't even have names in the story. The only way that they're referenced and referred to is as the owners. Let, let me read their part of the story for you again, and I invite you to consider uh, yourself in their shoes. As they, the disciples and Jesus, came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And then the next thing you read, the next thing you know is that Jesus is riding that colt into Jerusalem. Now, now imagine yourself for a moment in the, in the shoes of the owners. You're there. Some folks that, that you don't know, you've never met before, just show up at your door. And they, they, they're desiring to take one of your most valued possessions, a young colt, one that, that hasn't even completely matured yet, but soon will and have a long life of bearing your burdens. They come and they ask for it with the only explanation being the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And the next thing we read, Jesus has a donkey. And there, there is implicit uh, con compliance here. We don't, we don't read it in the passage. It's nowhere to be found. We don't read that they gave their permission for the donkey to be taken. But it's understood that the Lord needs this of us. Okay. 
take it. No strings attached. In the midst of this Palm Sunday story, telling of the, the grand welcome that Jesus received as he entered Jerusalem, we have a perfect, albeit obscure, example of hospitality. Not in the, the empty grandeur of the crowds, but in the simple and unconditional gesture of generosity at the Lord's need. The unnamed, unsung heroes of hospitality in the Palm Sunday story. You know, I, I think if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes when we extend hospitality to another person uh, or, or a group of people, we, we do so with conditions. We, we do so with, with strings attached. Uh, maybe it's the unspoken idea that if I help you out, if I do this for you, then, then someday you'll, you'll return the favor to me. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe what we desire in return isn't a reciprocation of the favor or the hospitality, but what we desire in return is, is the, the feeling that it gives me when I am hospitable to you. I'm going to do this for you because it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel better about myself. Or could it be that, that we'll welcome others as long as it doesn't cost me anything, uh, not too much, as long as it doesn't lead me too far out of my comfort zone, as, as long as, as welcoming you doesn't make me look bad or lose face with others that I might perceive to be more important than you. Really, this kind of hospitality is as empty as the crowd's welcome of Jesus. It looks great at first. It's worthy of snapping and posting to Instagram and having everybody in the world think so well of you. But it's shallow. It's conditional. Ultimately, it amounts to the same thing as rejection. But what if? What if we responded with generosity every time the Lord came calling? Every time God's Spirit spoke to our hearts the Lord needs it. We responded with unconditional hospitality. What if? Well, what if we saw these opportunities for what they are? Opportunities really uh, to welcome Jesus. And, and we jumped with obedience and joy. If I may be so bold, Troy United Methodist Church, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs your open-ended, unconditional hospitality. First, the Lord needs your hospitality to one another. Hey, look around for just a moment. The lights are a little brighter today because we've got the picture taken in the back, which you need to do before you leave today, get your picture taken. But look around for a moment. Just look around at each other. I know this is awkward. Don't forget to smile when you're looking around at each other. Other people are looking at you. You don't want to be grumpy face. Uh, smile a little bit. Look, I mean, there, look, look all the way across the room. Okay, make that odd, odd eye contact with each other. I really want you to do this. You're still looking at me. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Lord needs your welcome of each other with open arms. You know, a, 
a few years ago, my wife, Amy Jo, and I attended a weekend to remember marriage retreat. And one of the teachings that just deeply penetrated my heart and, and convicted me deeply, and, and I hope, looking back at that time, began a journey of transformation of my heart, uh, was the idea that, that God calls me to receive my spouse with all of her differences, with all of her weaknesses, that I am to receive her as the, as the perfect gift of God's provision for me. As a follower of Jesus, uh, I, I believe that God intended my spouse for me, and vice versa. That, that God intended us for one another. And if I trust God, then I will trust that the one he brought me into this marriage relationship with is his gift of provision for me, providing for me, sometimes in the very midst of our differences. And we have our differences. <laughs> but, but God calls me to receive her as a gift, not holding her weaknesses or her differences or her personal preferences against her. Before, and, and still uh, I'm guilty of, sometimes seeing those things, differences and weaknesses and personal preferences as obstacles to overcome rather than a way of God providing for my growth. And that teaching rocked my world. And, and I tell you, I, I, I am by very, very far from perfect, and, and I don't always see those differences or things as gifts. I, I don't. But I know that God is calling me to. And I know that when I do, when I live into that vision that God has for our marriage relationship that way, then that's hospitality. That's unconditional receiving. You know, we're, we're a big church. Um, if this was all of us, then we'd be a medium-sized church. But this isn't all of us. We've got the 8 o'clock worship service. We've got the 1015. We've got the 1045. Throw all those together with the children and, and the youth attending. That's, that's almost, almost 600 people every single week worshiping together. That's, that's a lot of people. It's impossible for any one person to know everyone else. It's impossible for any, anyone to be friends with everyone in this church. But it is so important for us to learn how to be in community together with one another. That's one of the reasons why we really emphasize journey groups. And if you're not in one, then uh, this might be God's one little nugget to you uh, of something to listen to and respond to. Wow, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to say yes to that. that but, but God grows us, we believe, when we're in close-knit community with one another. And, and, and here's something that, that sometimes keeps us away from close-knit community and sometimes keeps some of us away from the church. Um, in these close-knit communities and, and in other realms in the life of the church, there's opportunity for conflict, right? There always is when you get different people together. Uh, people see things differently. We don't all approach life in exactly the same way. Sometimes we'll, we'll agree on the problem and, and see different opportunities to resolve different ways of approaching. Sometimes we won't even agree on the problem. It has been said that you get two Methodists in the room together, you've got at least three opinions. 
Now this, this, is, this is oftentimes the case, and yet I believe that God calls us into deep community with one another so that one of the reasons that God calls us into community with one another so that we learn to receive each other as a gift of provision from God despite our differences. What if we were always so radically hospitable to one another that way? Now, I believe in doing so, what we would do is we would see Jesus show up. We would be welcoming Jesus when we treat each other that way. But our receiving one another in community is not the end-all, be-all. It's not about us. Well, what if the Lord needs us to receive each other so that together we can more effectively roll out the red carpet for those who are yet to be a part of us? who are on the outside. That's what we'll be doing next weekend when we offer a red carpet Easter for everyone that you know and that you'll be inviting. Uh, there are many ways you can invite. Take that invite card uh, that's in your bulletin today. Stop by, get your picture taken, uh, and, and post it to uh, social media with hashtag red carpet Easter. These are ways of reaching out and inviting. Uh, uh, and I believe that once again, the result will be that we will be welcoming Jesus as he has welcomed us. And, and there are opportunities I mentioned last week, uh, opportunities to serve next week, uh, just a, a one-time gig uh, to have all hands on deck, uh, being welcoming to others, park far, park far away and, and, and walk if you are able, pray that the weather wasn't like it was yesterday. Uh, but but uh, be willing to serve, uh, fill out your connections card, uh, let let uh, one of the ushers or greeters let me know that you'd be willing to serve in, in some way next week just for an hour that you're not in worship. That would be, that would be so, the, the Lord needs it. And, and the Lord needs all of this of you, welcoming one another in order to welcome others, radical and unconditional hospitality. Why are you untying that colt? The Lord needs it. But the truth is, the Lord asks for so much more than a colt, doesn't he? Jesus, as he wept over Jerusalem, said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. And what is the way to peace? Let me give you a hint. It, it can't be the way that the crowd responded with a conditional welcome of Jesus. It, it can't be a what's in it for me attitude. It, it can't be the search for a positive return on your investment. The way to peace is nothing short of a complete and total surrender of yourself to who Jesus really is. Not who you want him to be, but who he really is. It's welcoming him with your whole heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your, the strength that you have. It's an acknowledgement of your desperate need for him. Your, your desperate need for a savior, not just someone who you hope is going to make your life easier. Now, most of you know this. You, you've heard it plenty of times before. Many, many of you have already opened up your heart to receive Jesus wholly. And I praise God for that. It's, ob it, it's obvious many of you have. But if you haven't, let me just say uh, that I, I hope you come back next week for Easter. Uh, you'll hear a message not about your need to welcome Jesus, although there is a need, but that Jesus has already welcomed you.
Jesus is, has already received you despite your differences, despite your weaknesses, despite your failures and your brokenness, despite the many times that you welcomed Jesus like the crowd did, with conditions. And through Jesus, through his atoning death on the cross and through the empty tomb, God has, has rolled out the red carpet for you. Whether you have welcomed Jesus into your heart or not, Jesus has already welcomed you. But I, I, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's so easy to jump right to Easter. Uh, that's the Easter message. Uh, but, but now, um, let, let's, let's join our hearts. Let, let's actually, let's stand together and pray together. And really, my hope is to make a commitment together unconditionally to be hospitable when God's Spirit says the Lord needs it. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we are too often like the crowds who get really excited to be obedient uh, to you as, as long as it fits within our plan, as long as it doesn't cost too much or require too much sacrifice on our part. And we confess that we have often welcomed you with conditions. But Father in heaven, as, as we know the rest of the story, as we know how through the passion, the suffering of Holy Week, Jesus welcomed us despite our shallow welcome of him, despite our, our weaknesses and our sin and our brokenness, despite all of that, we know that Jesus opened his arms wide to welcome us without condition. Knowing that, Lord, we want to welcome Jesus in the same way. No strings attached. And we ask for the power of your spirit to acknowledge our commitment by receiving each other despite our differences and, and together with one heart rolling out the red carpet to others. Not because we're so good, but because you have already done that for us through Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.